Welcome back to The Risk Report. This is episode number 99, and today I am joined with a very special guest, a very talented young man, singer. I consider him a songwriter now. He's also a great musician um, and plays for a wheelchair basketball league, also played collegiate basketball, Mr. Abraham Hossman Weiss. Thank you for being here, bro. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I wanted to have you on for a while. You, like meeting you and, yeah. and and us talking when we go to these events and shows. It's like, man, this guy would be a great dude to have on. I you told me about it at first. I was like, oh, that would be really really cool. I don't. Um, I I mean, to be quite honest with you, I didn't I didn't know what this podcast was about. I didn't know. I don't even know what I'm about to be talking about. But um, <laughs> we'll just be talking, dude. It's yeah. just you know couple friends cool over in jay sounds good a little conversation and people get to kind of peer into your life and get to know who you are you know what i mean um i can't use this my thumbs are too big i burn myself anytime <laughs> so what's new bro you new year's we got new year's eve got a change of plans what are you gonna do what am I gonna do? I, I mean, I'm probably just gonna hang out with you tonight. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, we'll go meet up, meet up Lorenzo and Dakota and I, everyone else who's gonna be there. That'll and, be fun. Yeah, that'll yeah, be fun. cool. That'll be a great start to whatever we end up doing. Yeah, and if, if it's if it's too um, if it's completely full, I got my own seat. So. Mm -hmm. Any <laughs> any plans for the new year? Like like what you want to do this new year? What things I do you want to do? Year. Hmm. I I just kind of want to continue to come into my confidence. I've been mm -hmm. I've been really starting to get kind of gain back that confidence. Um, some confidence I've been I've been missing for a while, um, probably in college. And so I'm really um, I'm starting to realize some things that I. I'm starting to realize that I'm some of the things that I'm really good at. I'm starting to realize that some of the things I used to think were problems maybe aren't even mm -hmm. really problems at all. Um, so I'm I'm taking this new year to kind of edge more into just the um, the idea of hey, maybe you had it right all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's things that draw you in life, you know, whether it's music or still playing ball, you know, like, and things that kind of help you also come into your own. And I, and we see that, you know, when you go out and, and perform, I see that every time just getting more confidence out there. And, uh, I mean, tr I think you have a tremendous singing voice Thank personally. You. I, I like hearing it. you sing. It's like, oh, shit. That's why I was like, oh, you, dude, you got to start writing some songs right? because you got something going on there. And people, when you go perform, they don't think it's a cover. They think you're just doing your songs. And that feel, I feel morally troubled about that, <laughs> honestly, because I, look, there's so much, I play so much by Jason Mraz, for oh, instance. Okay. And other than I'm Yours and a couple of other songs that some people have named, Nobody knows Jason Mraz songs, right. and the people who know Jason Mraz songs know all of them. Mm. And, but that's not a huge, it's not a huge crowd that knows all his songs. And so, 
and the songs I'm usually playing are not the ones that are the most commonly on the right. radio. Um, so it has it has kind of several nights made me just think, oh God, is it a problem that yeah. a lot of these people thought I just wrote this incredible song? Uh, you also do something, I've noticed it like you incorporate multiple songs within a cover that you're singing. I really so like they'll to do kind of like yeah, the, the mashup. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to do them. I um sometimes I get iffy about them because like if I could do a mashup on anything, I mean, usually when I'm practicing, mm -hmm. I I play something, I, I'm playing it, I'm playing it, I'm playing it, and then like the chord progression sounds eerily familiar mm. and i start singing something else yeah, yeah and it's really cool it's really that's really fun and i honestly if i could do a mashup all the time i would every time i would do it yeah um but you know there's i think i, I think i get nervous about like i don't want it to be like i don't want to be the cringy mashup guy no, you know what I mean. Well, you know, you just practice, and if you do see the, you're seeing those. It's yeah. kind of like what you just touched on mm -hmm. about, you know, having that confidence within yourself. Like you've had it right all along. So yeah. there's probably something within that that you can kind of expand right. on more. You know, mm -hmm. um, maybe like loopers, get like a looper, and then start oh. doing mashups like I that am. in between songs. I, and people love that, yeah. especially now. I feel like attention span is, you know, we're used to the videos fast, everything fast. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that in a sense is a way to kind of yeah. keep the audience engaged, um, and right. not lost within like a three minute, four minute song or, but like these like mashups, you know, I've been dying to learn how to use a looper, but I think that would take a long time for me to get decently yeah. good at. Yeah. Yeah, you've got yeah. you'd have an interesting challenge with the looper, right? Or what kind of looper would you get would you get? The um so I mean I think I've heard of some um my my old music teacher from high school told me about some um guitarist who had something had something kind of jerry rigged for him, mm -hmm. but I mean the way I'm th the way I think about it sometimes is like it's a, just a button. Yeah. It's so just a button. I mean, at the end of the day, what I could probably if I was to try to use a looper, the way I'd first try to go about it would probably just be like bring up stool with me mm. and just like put the looper up on a stool Boom, and tap it. Yeah. Maybe on my right side. Cause like, so a lot of the way I play guitar, if you've noticed it, like the, like my guitar style, I this think little I, thing right here would be perfect to bring around. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Right. Exactly. You just hit it with your right elbow here. when you're playing. Bah. Yeah. Uh, but like my, my, I'm very, very, um, like my guitar style is very percussive already. Yes, it is. Um, and so I've, I already usually get into the rhythm of like, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm hitting my guitar somehow every once or twice per measure. Right. Um, and so, I mean, if I was just to like in that space, in that same space, just yeah. incorporate it into my rhythm, just boom. boom. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think that would benefit you greatly because then it also gives like rest periods of just singing. You don't have to be playing while you're singing. You can yeah. boom, loop it. It's yeah. done. 
boom, lupa, it's percussion. That's a that's a big thing. Big. I don't think I've taken enough time to really think about all of the all of the guitar wheelchair mechanics that I um, mm-hmm. that I that I generally I mean I'm generally dealing with them on a daily basis, but I don't think about them. Right. Like I've it's been very it's been quite recent that I've really started to notice um how I I'm in the shower, I'm doing something around the house and I'm singing something and I'm like belting something that I did not think I could. Right. And it's like it sounds really good and I feel like I have so much control over my voice. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I gotta learn this on the guitar. And I go and I pick up my guitar and I start to, um, I start to play. And that's kind of so. I mean, when I'm playing guitar in a wheelchair, it's like, it's I'm. It's not just sitting with me. It's mm-hmm. not sitting with me. It's it's on me. It's oh, sitting yeah. with me. It's like my arms are around it. It is sitting on my lap. And I've just started to realize how like how much air that can take that can mm. take out of me without noticing. Yeah. Like the I, way I you feel have like, it propped up. Yeah. Too, I feel like I, ha- I feel like the guitar actually restricts the, a little bit of the amount of air. Right. Maybe that means I should get a smaller guitar. I don't know, but, mm. um, but no, like dealing with that kind of thing. I mean, there's all of those really interesting dynamics and aspects. I mean, another thing, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, so, that would be really, really cool mm-hmm. is, um, is having a, being able to use a looper pedal so that I can, you know, give my, give my stomach a rest yeah. a little bit, yeah. move the guitar off a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think it'll change the game, you know, kind of gets you to get other, invest in other things. Like you play get a great guitar, you know, acoustic guitar, you, you could get an electric, you get a bass, you know, and you can just fucking one man band it, you know? Yeah. yeah. It'd be really cool. So talk talk to us about growing up, you know, maybe some of like, like you see some challenges with uh, playing guitar, but it's not that it hinders or anything like that. It's just getting accustomed to it. How was it growing up? Like where you're from, you're from Texas, right? Yeah. You just mean growing up as a, a, like someone using a wheelchair? Yeah, just in general. So, uh. So I'm I'm I grew up I my adolescence was in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in um, Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. For up until I was 13. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were from Alabama. Yeah. Um, my uh, my dad's a rabbi, and mm-hmm. he had gotten a job um, down in Birmingham. That was his first job out of rabbinical school. Okay. So um, I was there from like one and a half until I was 13. Damn. Yeah. And then at 13 moving, that's a tricky age to move always. It was a tricky age. It was a tricky age, but I think I look back on thinking it was probably as, as good as ever. Right. Um, just because it, I had just finished. So I, the way the schools worked there, I had just um, finished my first year of middle school because their junior high was seventh to ninth grade. So, I finished one year. I wasn't exactly gelling with 
that group as much as I would have wanted to. And so honestly, I mean, everything changed socially for me in Houston, like eighth grade was a really huge year. So right. it was, I think it was, it ended up being really good. Nice. Yeah. That's, I moved uh, when I was 10. So close to that age, that's when I was started changing, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely was very stoked for the move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really know what to expect and it just ended up being really, really good for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you started like, getting involved in sports or did you start playing guitar at that time too so, to play music so this is so i've been doing that long before so i um i'll just kind of give you a brief synopsis of kind of like my life in those in those aspects mm-hmm. um we moved to birmingham alabama i um i mean i start i was disabled my parents were new obviously on learning what my needs would be and th- like what what that entailed mm-hmm. but um but the major thing that really set a, a beginning direction for my life was um so I, we, we found this place in birmingham alabama called the lakeshore foundation and they were like they um they were a, the largest paralympic training site in the in the world they were also an Olympic and Paralympic training. Wow. Site. And your dad happened to move here for the job. And is yeah. this before this you were born or completely serendipitous. look at that. Isn't that awesome? How life works, huh? And, um, but they also had a, they also had a youth adapted sports program hmm. at, at this place. And it was, it's this huge recreation center. I mean, they have this, their field house. You just huge track, three basketball courts. It's really, really cool. Wow. Um, but I started taking swimming lessons there when I was two. Um, and from there, I, um, the director of the youth adapted athletics there, his name is Kevin Orr. He's actually a legend in the, in the, uh, ad- adapted athletics community. He was a Paralympian, but a legendary Paralympic coach, um, for quad rugby. But wow, for rugby, for quad rugby, yeah, sick. But he ran, he ran the youth adapted sports program. He also coached all the youth adapted sports that happened there. Wow. So, um, so he had these super sports Saturdays that I was always going to, Um, and it was just it was so much fun. Like I met so many people from a variety of backgrounds and Mm -hmm. in wheelchairs and that was kind of really where I developed kind of my, my first start and adapted athletics was really what was the source of my confidence at a very young age. It was a source of my independence because, um, and so there was that combined with the fact that my mom was, my mom and my dad, my mom was really huge about the idea of, and I, this, I've kind of used this as my mantra for my entire life is just about figuring it out. Just kind of the acceptance that most things I'm going to have to do differently. Sometimes it might be the same, the same level of difficulty. Sometimes it might be more difficult, but it doesn't mean I can't do it. I just have to do it differently. It's, and I'm, I, I, I want to talk about that because I, 
it's a much more practical standpoint of uh, than kind of the you can do anything you put your mind to. Because that doesn't really offer a prescription of how to go about how to go about life for me. So did I feel like I did that like I could do anything I put my mind to? Sure, but it was um but what I was thinking about, thanks for mom, but throughout my life was more I can do this, but let's figure out how. And it was always kind of figuring out I, I can do this, I'm gonna have to do it differently. So figuring out figuring that out. And so and this has manifested itself throughout my life. I mean, I was just talking, we were just talking about some other way to figure something out that would normally just be a afterthought. Um, I mean, this, this spanned from going to friends' houses to navigating, navigating people in the service industry. I mean, helping them help me get on buses, planes. Um, and I mean, even, even like things as a kid, like, um, like dancing with a girl or something like that. It, it's, it was always, and it, it, it always involved two big things. It involved my ability to communicate effectively and advocate for myself. But it also, but it also came from the other person's willingness to understand that it was going to be done differently and to figure it out with me. And that's how I, that's how I filtered people in my life. People who were worth it to me were the people who were not weird about figuring it out with me, even though it's unconventional. Um, so that's, that's been really just the mantra for my entire life. Yeah. That's a great aspect to have in life because in life you just, it's constant challenges. And I think to have that mindset is, it makes like those things, anything achievable in a sense, like how you were saying it, you know, but realizing that with everything you got to put in the work, you know, yeah, it's just like figuring out these different obstacles in life and, mm -hmm and following through and i think sports probably has a big impact on that like a discipline in a sense right yeah it, it that yeah exactly and that's and so that combined with lakeshore because i mean the that's really the goal of the adapted athletics or the the i mean any advocating community for people with disabilities is is teaching us that mm -hmm. and, and helping us figure it out mm -hmm. together because that's essentially what the wheelchair sports was as a kid. I mean, I wasn't that competitive yet. No. I was five. Right. But, but, but kids just first, are balls of energy yeah. and you were wheels of energy. Exactly. You were fucking flying around probably. And for a while, for a while as a kid, adapted athletics is just a bunch of us figuring it out together. Mm -hmm. That's like, beautiful. Yeah. So, and this is Birmingham, Alabama. So this was up until then you were 13. Yeah. And then you moved to mm -hmm. Austin, Texas? Houston, Texas. Houston, Houston, mm -hmm. Texas. And so that transition, 
what did you just take that like mindset that almost like build you up and almost you graduated from that place in a sense in a way yeah and, yeah, and it was took a, it onto the real world in a, in a different way that really is how it kind of manifested itself for me. that's yeah. amazing um i and and the nice thing is that i mean it's not exclusive to birmingham alabama mm -hmm. um i mean they're one of the more no they're they've always been one of the most notable ones they're just they're doing it right large and i mean the amount of paralympic training camps that go on there every year is unbelievable um so but i but i was um i was playing wheelchair sports there i, I started started with um track and field um when i was five and when i was seven i picked up basketball and when i was 10 i started swimming um and I, when I moved to Houston, I had focused a lot more on basketball. Um, I kind of just switched entirely um, just because that was kind of really my standout sport. It's, it was what I was really, really good at. It's what I, um, it's what I. You started loved. excelling it, in, yeah. It, I started excelling in it and it was, it, it, it was what was, what I was really passionate about. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, and they have wheelchair bas youth wheelchair basketball teams all over all over like in they're, they're, they're we call them varsity it's 12 to 18. i mean just all in the, or 13 to 18 basically all, all on the same team and um uh and we it was like aau we traveled um all over the country i mean probably one weekend mm -hmm. a month usually um and it was outside of our high schools it wasn't like really affiliated with our schools but um i mean there's only one there, there was usually only one or two wheelchair basketball teams in every city depending on or in in any one city depending on the size mm -hmm. so often we traveled around our region but we were one of the top teams in houston mm -hmm. when i was in houston we were one of the top teams and so we um we actually the way we traveled was we, we and this is the, during high school or yeah, did you get it in middle school before or something so yeah so i i was i was in varsity from seventh through 12th grade fucking crushing dude oh so you were like the prodigy dude i i guess so but you know but the, the you know so when they call it varsity varsity is really just referring to that division right but like you the, were still a young a young guy coming i was up i was and, a young guy playing with them yeah and yeah, you yeah. were like i had, doing it well enough to be at the top 13 so when i was oh well when i moved up when i played with that team um when i played with the houston team that was probably a much better team at the time hmm. um, much more a lot better players like prestigious in a sense yeah so they were they were just they just like when people better. hear, oh, we got to play the Houston guys. Yeah, Fuck, yeah. dude. Like they, they had just started to be on the rise, and I joined them, and they were a lot better than the team uh, I had come from. Um, but that's great. That's what pushes you to become yeah. better and to the next level is playing and being around these guys and feeling that energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, now, were you playing? Uh, and that's kind of a sick aspect too, though. Is like, yeah, we had to travel at high school sports teams, but there's a lot more schools in a county playing, right? Um, but 
but but like, that kind of gives it a cool aspect that you gotta just dip out, yeah. go, you know, play this fucking almost more real in a sense. And there's a national know? tournament every mm-hmm. year in April. Yeah. And so like if you win the national championship, like like you didn't win district, you didn't win state. No, you the, the you, nation you, you were the best you were the best team in the varsity division in the entire country. Wow. Did you guys ever ever get that Twice. title? Wow. Twice. While you were on? So I was with that team. We were we were really good for those. Yeah, it sounds like we it. were really good. But um, and I mean, uh, one of the guys, two guys from that team actually, um, two two of my old teammates are actually on the um, have played for the or just made the team USA national team for the Olympics for the Paralympics. Well, eventually for the Paralympics, wow, they, they have they have different like. They have a bunch of different tryouts during this, over the course of the cycle, so the team can change. But uh, I mean, a couple, a couple of them are on that team right now, and wow. it's really fun to watch them. Yeah. But so we were we were really we were a really good team. So we actually in the five years I was there, um, eighth grade. Eighth grade, we lost the national championship game. Ninth grade, we won. Wow. Tenth grade, we came in third place. Eleventh grade, we won, and twelfth grade, we lost the national championship game. We were in four. We were in it four times out of those five years. Yeah, we were. We were definitely the top to dogs. Time. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. It's interesting how life works like that, huh? Yeah. Like it was. It's like a perfect storm of everything you you needed to kind of like yeah fall through this path mm-hmm. and and have like purpose in this path i i related to like skating me i grew up skating and it was very similar like i loved it so much and it completely changed the the way i looked at life without realizing it at the time mm-hmm. you know and i think this path that you've had it's probably also what lends to you as an artist and you as a musician, you know, is having these, uh, these life experiences that are, you know, like you were working at working towards something every time and achieving and achieving, you know, and it's like, you kind of get used to that. And I, I see that with your, with your music and how you're growing as an artist. Did you start at that time making songs like high school or so, middle school? So musically, I never even talked about music. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all good. No, we're we're just um, talking, bro. We're just yeah. chilling. Um. So musically, I took guitar lessons when I was um started taking guitar lessons in fifth grade. Um. And so I've been playing, and that was like that year, and then the next two years, I was in Birmingham before I moved. And I was learning from different guitar teachers, and um, I actually had a different guitar teacher each year, but I was they were all really and really, really enjoyable. I was I mean, I was I didn't really know. I was learning as a kid. I wasn't. Right. Yeah, that's a that's around the age. I feel like a lot of kids try to get into it. Mm-hmm. It's you're just trying things. You but know? they definitely gave me a foundation. Mm-hmm. Like they they gave me a really like 
I didn't realize it until later, but like they had given me a really good foundation to where even though I had, I technically had a guitar teacher in eighth grade because they, like my, the public school I was at, like actually had like, like a music teacher, music they had a tutor. guitar class. Nice. So, oh yeah. Yeah. In high so, school, it usually gets to that. It was, it was actually a middle school. Wow. Middle that's grade. awesome, yeah. dude. But they were, they were crazy. They had a, um, they had a stage band for some of the, <coughs> like, and they were good. Yeah. I mean, this, crazy. That, those are things that I think are, you don't look at it at the time. They're just yeah. happening, but in a wider scope, it's like, mm-hmm. man, it's uh, these, these paths, they yeah. pull you towards them and exactly. without you realizing it. And that kind of gave me, that kind of gave me, um, but like the previous three years had given me my foundation. And so I was in a guitar class, but I was also at home. That's when I had started actually like, I want to learn this song. Let me get the chord, mm. find the chords online. Let me look and that's up. like YouTube is out now, yeah. right? Like that's oh, where it changed YouTube, the game. YouTube's been out for a while at this point. Wow. I'm not that old. Yeah. You're 25, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, because YouTube came out for me when I was like, 13 i want to say oh really yeah which did change the game for sure but it was like random ass videos people were sending you usually just funny stuff or like wow look at what is it exactly um so yeah uh but i was watching i i'd look things up i'd look up songs like chords online i'd watch youtube videos because sometimes because at the at the beginning you don't really have enough of a feel for music to hear a song and be like, okay, now that I have the chords, I know how I want to play it. I know how I want to cover it. Given that I'm not going to have a band backing me, I want to figure out some way to make this interesting. I used, I do that now, but I used to just watch other people's covers. Hmm. Like it was, I would always just write so-and-so song acoustic cover. Right. Because there wasn't really Mm -hmm. the tutorials just yet. There were some tutorials. There were some tutorials, yeah. but but, but not like, for the songs you might have wanted. Who were some of your insp- like inspirations? Because if you're if this is yeah. what you're kind of going through at that time, mm-hmm. you definitely had to have been listening to something that was inspiring. Yeah, and be like, oh, so I could do was, some shit like that. That really coincided with this kind of me discovering Jason Mraz hmm. in eighth grade. I've always, I've learned that to a lot of people, Jason Mraz is a very, very odd favorite artist for someone to have. Didn't realize, it's interesting. Um, Because, yeah, anyway. It's just um, art, you know, art is like. But I, but I absolutely became obsessed with him. I still am. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm still obsessed with his music. I, he still inspires me more than he and probably Mike Birbiglia. For, oh, comedian. yeah, comedian. But I mean, they inspire me. That guy's hilarious. Mm-hmm. More than anyone pro- ever has and probably ever will. Interesting. Um, so, so these are these are people that you kind of see like a kinship with without you know realizing. Yeah, Mike Birbiglia is more recent, hmm. but and, J- and Mike but Jason Mraz is more influenced on my kind of art and stuff. Yeah. But Mike, I listen to Mike Birbiglia's podcast. He talks, he, he works out jokes with people, and just listening to kind of his artistic 
creative process period mm-hmm. is really, really enlightening for me. Yeah. But yeah, it was Jason Mraz. And so I was learning a bunch of different songs by him and, um, probably my other artists as I continued were like Ed Sheeran, Sarah Bareilles. Um, so kind of learning the learning songs just by people I wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, just by people I liked and songs I wanted to play. Um, that's kind of how I started to build a repertoire. And mm-hmm. um, so by, by um, 11th and 12th grade, there were, there were a couple little small gigs. I was able, I got the chance to play. Um, there was in, in 12th grade um, or 11th grade, there was this group of people that um, were friends with my dad. And there, it was a, I think it was just like a, in an engagement party. And they wanted me to play an hour there. Nice. So it was like, just kind of these like little things. I got to just start adding on more and more. I probably did not play guitar far, close to as enough as I needed to and as I should have in college. I think I missed out on a mm. lot of potential creativity there. Sure. Um, so just never found the time. Yeah. But and it does it it has that thing within it though that it like there's there's phases and cycles you know there's times where you'll like really be on it and then yeah life kind of happens and you got to live life and go through that whatever you had to go through in college you went through you know and uh but somehow boom now you're back and look at where you're at you know you're in uh in South Florida with soul fam and just kind of ingrained in this community of musicians that, you know, that feel like it don't, that shit just don't happen yeah. like that, you know, like, right. It's uh it's something that'll pull you right back in. Like, it so really you had, a, you had a couple gigs in, in high school, which those are a good time to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, I, my music, and then I'll, that's all, that's the other thing. My biggest period of musical growth is probably 10th and 12th grade. Hmm. I came to this new high school. I, I didn't, I, I left the high school I was at in ninth grade. Right. Cause you said grade. it was seventh through ninth. No, that was, in, that was in Alabama. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So, um, so again, you were kind of boom, ripped up at the, at like a new, uh, yeah. Um, kind of changing point in but, life, you know, but more, more than anything, what I just kind of dove into was music there because, it was this. It was a private school, and they had this really fantastic music program. Um, my old music teacher Kelly Dean. He, he's um, he's a musician in Houston and still teaches there. And he developed this amazing curriculum. And it was, I actually the curriculum involved me actually developing skills on, developing skills with music theory with guitar. Guitar, piano, bass, and drums. Um, talk about figuring it out, because my um, he was that music teacher was so great because he was a figure it out guy too. He 
he did not want me to miss out on any of the any of the pop the possible instru musical instruction that could possibly happen so he figured out how i would be completing my drum assignments i mean we had the we had some of these drum assignments and these different things to learn um and we, we we did two things one we we actually he he got a cane he brought a cane to to school one day and gave it to me and had me basically just for like some basic beats be um have my left hand with a drum left hand holding a drumstick hitting the beat on the hi-hat and the snare um with uh with a cane pushing on the bass drum pedal and um so we had that then we also i mean but for in for the drum stuff that we were doing that actually we were actually learning how to do fills he he really just ended up rewiring the electric drum set and so i mean essentially instead of he he turned the he turned the floor tom into a bass drum and that was pretty cool that's sick so there's all these different things that and and for those three years i grew more musically than like i probably knew a lot more about music than i do now right yeah. you you experienced um different sides of it yeah yeah, that's and that's one of the great things of like producing music. Now it's all on the computer. I wanted to show you kind of how I use what I use to make beats and yeah, you know, we could work on something because that's all it is is figuring it out and there's every sound you can think of or we can record live and it kind of has that same aspect like that same kind of assignment. All right, I got to figure out some drums, yeah. a bass pattern, you know, rhythm and then guitar whatever sing and then you just start writing because you're like it's just looping mm. back and forth back and forth that's awesome so i think you'd really um enjoy that process yeah i think the recording is probably the missing piece because i think the coolest thing about the ability to not just record and put put music out but the ability to just record yourself at high quality mm-hmm and with other presettings and stuff like the other preset parts by other instruments and stuff is you can sit there, you could sit there for four hours and mess around, like literally just mess around and have something. And, and I mean, some it, assuming you're a, creative person something really cool is going to come out of it yeah even if the rest is a bunch of bullshit yeah it's like, like a process you know you'll and, make like maybe a couple different ones and right. then it's one that really hits it and, stands out and and when it really hits you can have the comfort that all of your best moments are going to be memorialized yeah it's on there because I mean, I've had an experience where something really cool happened, and then I was like, "Okay, I gotta record this," and it didn't hit the same, hmm. the same thing. Oh, sure, it's not gonna capture that same 
you know, it's hard to capture what's going on in a room. So even like the videos that we'll take when we're out at these shows of, of the, uh, the artists playing, it doesn't sound, you don't get the same sound and feel as like when you're there, you know? Right. Which is why I'm, so, which is why I love that. Like Matt does do a little bit of a, like he does Records try to songs. get it, try to get it a little bit, a little bit better quality recording. Yeah, than he does. People can do on their just either their iPhones, yeah. and I think that's really really cool. Yeah, I've wanted to find more of them and and upload them. That'd be so cool. You know, like we could do playlists. Like yeah, mm -hmm. you created a playlist. We could make a page for it, and we could literally put out like Tuesday nights concert. There and then just kind of put like every Tuesday concert a new song like a new fucking set of yeah. just live music, and people could just tune into it That's on a Spotify. Like because some of the stuff that happens over there, like I am, I am gunning for trying to get better with playing with a band and get getting more used to it. Because some of the stuff that happens over there is unreal. Unreal. It feels like it feels like everything about the energy is just right. No. Exact, and everybody understands exactly what the energy at that moment is supposed to be, and they contribute to it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yeah there's something happening over there on Tuesday nights. And if we can capture that yeah. and show people. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'll talk to Matt. I think he's just, um, he's probably just overwhelmed with work. Oh, you know, yeah, it's so absolutely. much to look through and go it's over. And uh, you know, I definitely, I'll offer some, something like that. Like, yo, send me those files or resend them. I'll fucking download them. Yeah. Put them out. Um, you know, it cost me maybe 50 bucks a year to fucking just put out these songs on a Spotify. Who gives a shit? I'll do it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's something special going on. That's why, man, I don't know. You know, it's it's dope that we get to meet such interesting characters, you know, like yeah. people with interesting journeys in life. And um, that's why I love having this podcast and I love having people, you know, like you right. on so that we could share your story and kind of get a glimpse of, you know, this awesome, insane life you've lived, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We've got about six minutes till you have to get ready for your haircut appointment because okay, gotcha. you're going to get fresh for the new year's, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So is there anything you want to close out with? Um, so, um, huh? Anybody you want to shout know. out? I, I, I want to mention advice mention, for for I, young artists. You know, I want to mention that you couple, just a second ago you said something that was really to the effect. It made me think. Did he just explain in more words? Y'all don't know the life I live. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But it's, that one's been hitting. But now it's a new year. Next Tuesday, I'm going to come out with something different. Yep. I'm not going to do that song. All right. No problem. I'm going to try and change it up. Something you know? never done before. 
Uh, I think I've done it once or twice, but I haven't done it in a while. I'm going to drop one of the new songs I got last weekend, and I'm going to perform that one. Cool. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Wait, yeah. you called it Lost Weekend? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, I wrote a song called Lost Weekend. I wrote a song called Red Lights. Red Lights. Yeah. Huh. And I kind of ha- I kind of like that theme of like maybe – make songs and put them out and title them these bars that we little, go to that we're spaces. like yeah just some spaces that we grew up in dude or, i mean or, or the cool things happened in dude yeah there's like some cool there's something cool going on here bro all right well be ready be ready y'all 2023 i'm coming out with hullabaloo yeah <laughs> and listen man I've, I've been wanting to now that i have you on the podcast i've been wanting to get more musicians to play anyways and so you know even if it's me working with you on a song or you know me showing you something i've made and maybe you can do something live to it and we can record that and just That'd get you really in the cool. studio yeah and get you you know stepping over into that next you know That'd kind of phase of you know be a whole lot of fun mm-hmm yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be in this area, and I'm glad that we've got what we've got over here, and so much opportunity to showcase art. You know, like last night I went to this um, skate video premiere. These guys in West Palm, this huge skate community, came together for a video, and they were all out at like this fucking warehouse spot, and oh, that's cool. it was awesome, man. And that's really cool, and um that's another group of people that I feel like are, you know, very similar in like that regard, the arts and music and yeah. sports and, you know, athletics and things, things of that nature where it's just, it does something different to people. Like it, cha- it's, it's a different type of crowd. It's a different type of um, mentality and people are a lot more like uh, unique, let's just say, right? Like everyone's very like, their own and it's a beautiful kind of community to be a part of they are their own but the thing i have to say about them about that crowd is that they're their own but you but you don't think about that when somebody's up there when somebody's playing like at hullabaloo because wherever the person up there is at everyone changes themselves hmm. to to meet them to meet them at that place and i think that's really really cool and so you know it's coincident I, i'm just real yeah, like it, it gives just, you you know that aspect of like just being understanding yeah there is a there is a coincidence this is the coincidence i'm just realizing is that like the places i'm feeling most comfortable hullabaloo is another place where everybody's figuring it out with each other. Mm-hmm. They are not expecting perfection. They are, they're just kind of like every, everybody's there and they're like, okay, I understand that you're about to take a risk and you are going to take a risk. And we understand that it might sound real shitty, but we also understand that without doing what you're about to do, there's no chance that something potentially amazing could happen yeah and we're here to catch you if you fall like it's it's a very like that's that's what the that's what the audience at hell feels like for sure yeah i mean it's 
it's good, dude. It's a good spot to be, but yeah. it ends up being everyone's good, <laughs> you know, because everyone just it, like good people go up and oh. it just, it just motivates. I don't know. There's just something that motivates oh, each yeah. other, you know, like j- people. That's, that's the even cooler part is like everyone there is good, but it it's still a matter, like it's still a matter of, Everyone, everyone there, but but they have they have different styles. And Completely it's, different it's styles. It's like everybody, the the vibe of the audience is kind of still like, feel free to try some stuff you've never tried before. It is safe here for you to take a risk, and I think that that's because I think that while everyone but is good, people take some risks there. Yeah, you got to. It's really cool. You got to. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. Well, that's that. what gives it that impromptu, that freestyle aspect, that yeah. something new every week type of feel, you know? Exactly. Well, Abe, this has been a great, great podcast. Have you on yeah. for episode number 99. We're closing that's out awesome. the year on 99. We'll start a new year with a 100th episode, and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do for the 100th episode. That's Maybe have three cool, people though. on or something. Man. Um, but yeah, man, it was a pleasure having having you here at the podcast. And um, I just want to say to you, bro, like you're, you, you know, I think you're integral in this area. Like you were very recent to this area. Like me, we kind of moved around the same time, right? And we just happened to come in contact with this new tribe, you know, this yeah. new community. And, it's really, and really cool. Have, you know, we can go play music or we can go to red light tonight and go just chill and drink and, and appreciate other music and then go out and have a good time. And, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Hundredth episode, what you should do. You should record a hullabaloo session. Huh? And... Mm-hmm. Or at least get like some really awesome clips. And you should get someone and offer commentary. Hmm. So be like a host in a sense? Kind of a, like, yeah, kind of make it like a music, in a way, like a one episode music variety show Hmm. in a way. Dude. I mean, I could also just bring my shit out there and have podcasts in between that would sets too. Almost like a sports event. Literally, like, <laughs> no, no, no. That would be really fun. That would be really fun. Okay, so have Lit- commentary record, at a record, fucking record their, spot. Record the performance and then interview them afterwards. Yeah, just have people, just everyone like, just how did that? Ma- how, did, how, how did that music, how did that, how did that make you feel? Um, what, what did you feel about the audience there? Yeah. What was? Um, but I'm just gonna sit down at that table, have it set up, yeah. fucking glass of wine, yeah. ready to rock. What were you? Uh... Damn, it would have been great to do that last week. Oh yeah. Because now I'm back to work. I've had two weeks off. That would have been prime time to do. But I'll still get it done. That shit would be sick. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's a great idea, bro. Right. I think you might have inspired it. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, you, now you told everybody, now we got to fucking do it. Now we got to fucking do it. But, you know, you're also the man with the with the editing tools. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Abe, where can I where can everyone find you at for your Instagram and things of that yeah, nature? my Instagram, I'm, I'll just go ahead and let you know. There's no music on it yet, and that needs to change. But um, my Instagram is Abe, A-B-E underscore H-W. You know where to find him at. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace out, motherfuckers.